Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth.
Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And access our full show archive with our montages and more at www.fm the secret teachings.info that's the website the secret teachings.info you can also download the fringe fm application for free for your mobile device to listen to the network 24 hours a day 7 days a week you have a function on that fringe fm app to also send the network a shout out which is kind of cool and there's also uh, a list of shows there that are on demand not sure how many at the moment. I think it changes, but a list of on-demand shows if you can't listen to the live broadcasts of all the shows here on the network. Of course, our show airs Monday through Friday here on The Fringe after Joe Roop and Lighting the Void. And for years and years and years before I found The Fringe FM, I bounced around from network to network. I've been on Dark Matter, Late Night in the Midlands, WPRK Rollins College is where I began radio. As back in those days that, and I've said this so many times on the show, that I had no idea what I was talking about and no idea what to talk about. I mean, I was, I was pretty young. I was like 18, 19 years old. And because uh, I started to go to uh, film school right out of high school. So I was like 18, 19 years old. And I started film school in March of 2009, I think it was, or 2010. And I uh, went to film school, and by October of 2010, I had, because of a documentary, ended up being at a radio station and got to talking with this guy at the station, and I was invited to do some radio. And later on, he passed away, and I took over the show, and I started panicking because I had to get up at like four or five in the morning to get down to the station. The show started from, it was from six to 8 a.m. on the weekend, just one day a week. And I did not know what to talk about. And there were other days where people would, it was a college, so a lot of the people, you know, they'd, you know, stay up and get hammered and then have a hangover and not be able to do their show or something. So I would fill in a lot. And when I would fill in for radio, I would come in to the, I mean, it could have been any time. It could have been one in the afternoon. It could have been, you know, six o'clock at night. And I would come in and I'd have to prepare a show very quickly. So what I started doing was preparing shows ahead of time that I could use, you know, for my normal weekend show or a fill-in show. And I remember one week I went in with a, with a big book and I thought, you know what, I'd like to talk about the pyramids of Egypt. And I, I learned 
at that time that it's not that you need to know something. You don't need to like have a knowledge of dates and people and locations and all of this textbook, very rigid data. Talk radio, at least from my perspective, is about exploration. And so it's not that you need to have this vast knowledge, but that you have to free your mind from thinking that you have to have that vast knowledge in order to both put on a presentation or to have a conversation with a guest or you can obviously carry that over off air. And for those of you who feel as if maybe you're not smart enough or not intelligent enough or not well-versed in some subject or some topic, this doesn't mean that we, we, we should be arrogant and suggest that we don't need to know anything. That's not what I mean. I mean that in order to understand things, it's best that we don't take an arbitrary approach, a very narrow, rigid approach in terms of that understanding. And I can say from experience that around that time, back in 2010, there were months and I think probably a good solid year there when I was doing radio with, with somebody else and I, I didn't know what, I mean, I was young. I didn't know what was really going on. I just had ideas and I had read things and, you know, watched the history channel or something or saw, I'd before, you know, before I knew Jim Mars, you know, watching Jim Mars or something and reading through like, some some books that I've reread now, like Manly Hall or you know David Icke. I started I think I started David Icke's Biggest Secret in 2010. So I talk about those things, but they weren't things that I knew. They were just things that I remembered from things that I had read. Which there's no there's no problem with that, but that really wasn't critical thinking. That was regurgitating what somebody else had read and not really providing much more of an additional perspective on it. It was when I learned that I could provide my own perspective. Not not based on some idea of, of just a random opinion, but just based on thinking about what's said and finding that there are people that I agree and disagree with and we can, we can come to an agreement and a disagreement. We can show each other that there's another way of looking at things and that's really the point that I've, that I've come to in both radio and my life. I'm not trying to prove something. Back then, I was trying to prove something, probably more so to myself. And at the time, I got really interested in particle physics. And I was not very good in school when it came to mathematics. But I, I did pretty well in, in the one physics class that I took. And I really liked, I really liked physics. And for some reason, I just, I guess I understood, you know, the, the, the formulas and the theoretical nature of it. But that's something that I think is, is overlooked you know, at the time, I loved describing myself as being interested in theoretical physics, but there's a word there, theoretical. It's theoretical. It's not necessarily provable as a whole, or it's better to say it has not been proven as a whole. It's a theory, kind of like germ theory. Our entire medical establishment is founded on germ theory, that little teeny tiny bacteria and viruses cause disease, yet it's still considered a theory, despite the fact that if you try to make a video and put it online, 
it might go viral, but you'll probably be censored and banned, and you'll have mass hordes of people who might not even believe, you know, that the medical industry is is um, you know is wonderful, but they still don't agree that germs, you know, are are or they think that germs are the responsible party for disease. So that's still a theory. Who knows who's right, but it's a theory. Just like particle physics, you know, theoretical physics is a theory. Like when someone describes themselves as a theoretical physicist, they, they, they get all of this, like, this fanfare. And I don't know if a lot of that's because, you know, of television nowadays and, you know, movies and documentaries and, you know, people like Carl Sagan were obviously very famous, you know, as, as a scientist, but, you know, the things that the, the, the celebrity scientists will talk about on like the discovery channel or sometimes on the history channel or, you know, some science show, so much of it is based in theory that it's really, it's truly, really, truly astounding to me that when, when that mindset also suggests that anything contrary to their theory is wrong because it's just a theory, uh, that just baffles me because the, the basis of modern, for even fringe science, is based on theory. And some things can be proven. Uh, in fact, back in 2012, scientists discovered the Higgs boson particle, what they called the God particle. And I'm sure most of you remember this. In 2012, they, uh, scientists det- determined that the Higgs boson particle was, was definitely found, or at least whatever that is to them. And uh, for those of you who don't know what the Higgs boson is, it's an elementary particle that's part of the standard mod- model of particle physics, and it's produced by the quantum excitation of the Higgs field, which is one of the fields in particle physics. Now, at the time... Before this this happened, before it was discovered, they, they discovered this this particle. Stephen Hawking, who you know, he died in I think it was like 2014, 2016. No, maybe it was later. He died in 2000. I think he was died in 2018. But Stephen Hawking had made a bet with a guy named Gordon Kane that physics would never discover the Higgs boson. They never discover the God particle. And I don't know if that was just it was just a fun bet. Um, but he lost the bet, of course, because the particle was discovered in 2012, right? And there have been a number of theories that have spawned uh, prior to and even out of the discovery of the Higgs boson particle. There's something called the Higgs boson doomsday, where a quantum fluctuation creates what they call a, a vacuum bubble, and that it, that it expands throughout space and wipes out the universe. And that has been posited that it could take, you know, 10 years or it could take 100 years, but that this this could actually destroy the universe. Now, the, the little bet that Stephen Hawking made, it was just like a little fun bet, right? And um, after the particle was discovered, Stephen Hawking said, well, uh, you know, it's just, okay, you found it, but it just, it makes physics less interesting, and I, I always got weirded out by that that like good boy club in 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 science, you know, where you can be wrong, like brazenly wrong, but then instead of admitting that you're wrong, you just act like you're still right, and you put point your nose even higher in the air, 
And well, let, let me tell you something. I, well, I was wrong, but it was only, let me, I'm still right. I, I hate that attitude. And I, I, I think I developed a little bit of that attitude back in 2010 when I, I was interested in these things. And I read, I read Stephen Hawking. I read any, you name a famous scientist or physicist. I read and read and read. And I learned one thing. I learned that most of them are beyond arrogant. Arrogance doesn't describe how these people think and act. That doesn't mean that they're wrong. I just mean that the arrogance was, it's an enormous turnoff in terms of studying those things. And I also learned that they are wrong a lot because their reality is based on theory. And although theory is part of the scientific process, at some point, apparently in our society, we've determined that theory is somehow if it's based in the scientific, if it's part of the scientific method, if it's if it's spoken about by a celebrity scientist or some big science publication, then theory has become fact, and opinion has become fact. And yet, the same scientific community, the same mindset, would look at something like, for example, the World Trade Center. And the Twin Towers and Building 7 and other subsequent buildings in that complex. And they would say that it's just a conspiracy theory that anything other than jet fuel brought those buildings either, you could say, to the ground or pulverized them and turned them into a fine powder that blanketed all of New York City and beyond. And so it's a conspiracy theory and that means we should dismiss it, but the entire basis of physics, the same physics that actually disproves what happened on 9-11 in New York City, will say that it's a conspiracy theory, we should dismiss it, and that same mindset is based in a, a, a theoretical view of the world. And I think that's what makes, to me, in my opinion, that's what makes the subject of particle physics moving into experimental particle physics and facilities like CERN and the Large Hadron Collider, to me it makes those things even more dangerous because I understand that we're dealing with theoretical concepts and trying to prove things and, oh, we found the Higgs boson particle, that's wonderful, and then scientists have little bets with each other and make jokes and it's in the news and everybody you know, kind of sucks each other off and rubs each other's backs. And it's just great to be a theoretical. I mean, I can theorize on things, but these people get paid lots of money and prestige. They got this prestige and they got awards and medals and their noses are really big and in the air. And in reality, what I think a lot of this amounts to is an arrogance that man can dominate and control nature and that it's that it's not only that it's not only scientifically relevant, but that it's it's humanly necessary to break down the nature of reality and to find what the basis of our reality is. And I don't think people are doing that necessarily for a sinister reason, but I think others are doing it because they want to they want to access it to control it. And I think that's what the the atomic bomb was. I think that's what CERN is. And there's a lot more beyond things like the atomic bomb and CERN. And I think they're opening a Pandora's box or uh, a, a gateway to something, uh, literally and figuratively. 
We're going to talk about that tonight on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. The website, www.thesecretteachings.info. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The month of April brings us further into the waxing of the year, from the spring equinox to Beltane. Join us on The Secret Teachings to track this turning of the yearly wheel through synchromysticism, pop conspiracy, and more Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. And as the sun waxes, expand your perception with a subscription to our show archive, which includes montages and my digital books. A one-time donation or a yearly subscription of $45 at the moment supports the show, the network, and you. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the subscribe tab at the top of the page or use PayPal directly with the email rdgable at yahoo.com. All yearly subscribers also get a free copy of The Technological Elixir or Food Philosophy with free shipping in the U.S. You can also buy the book separately, including the enormous compilation of Occult Arcana. That's thesecretteachings.info, and your support allows us to do what we do Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you want to know more about UAPs, the paranormal, conspiracy analysis, current events, and other topics that interest you? I'm Jess Rogie, host of The Rogie Report. Explore The Unrevealed every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, live here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. It's April, the month of burning when the sun proceeds into its waxing phase, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. What are we going to do tomorrow night? Same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that 
neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Thanks again. Um, this is very refreshing, and I look forward to talking with you more soon, Ryan. Hey, this is Anthony Tyler, author of Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, uh, website divemind.net, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable, my man. your host and you're listening to the secret teachings on the fringe fm joseph lichen a theoretical physicist at the fermi national accelerator laboratory in batavia illinois said at a seti talk in september of 2014 that it was and i will paraphrase this it will most likely take 10 to 100 years for this process of uh, a Higgs boson doomsday to take place. And a Higgs boson doomsday is a, is a theory that a quantum fluctuation will create a vacuum bubble that will expand throughout time and space and it basically obliterates, it wipes out the, the entire universe. Uh, and this theory has existed for a while. Obviously, you know, it, it hasn't officially happened yet. It's been 10 years since the Higgs boson, the God particle, was discovered back in 2012. That's interesting because 2012, I remember at the time being on radio and saying, I do not think, I don't believe, I feel that it's a lot of hype, and I should actually go back and find those shows. Um, Around New Year's, you know, when people thought around the winter solstice, uh, people thought the world was going to end when really what was happening was the end of a calendar and uh, the end of a world is not necessarily catastrophe and a Roland Emmerich movie. The end of the world is kind of like our world ended on December 31st last year and then it began anew on the 1st of January. And when the Romans switched, for example, over to the, uh, the Gregorian calendar from the Julian calendar... Uh, The new calendar celebrated the new year on January 1st, the month of Janus. The old calendar had celebrated the new year, and I find this more appropriately, in the spring. Around April, April 1st, somewhere around in there. So people that still celebrated the new year on April 1st were considered fools, hence April Fool's Day. And that obviously has a number of other associations with it as well, and that comes down to us. To this day, we celebrate April Fool's Day with a little, you know, little comical uh, banter with each other. But that's where the idea of that comes from. It's um, the changing of a calendar. In 2012, that calendar of the Mayan, just one calendar. I mean, there are countless calendars. But that one calendar ended, and because there were books written about it and TV shows, it was like Y2K. 
and then nothing happened. And the world proceeded onward as it had been in the past. Now, there's something eerie about the idea that although nothing happened visibly, something did actually happen. And like Joseph Lycan said, it may already have happened, and the bubble might be on its way here now. You wouldn't know it because it's going at the speed of light, and there's nothing there's nothing that you could do. There would be no warning of it. It would just, it would end our universe. This quantum fluctuation uh, and this vacuum bubble created by what scientists call the Higgs boson doomsday or the God's, God's particle is a doomsday scenario. So what if that particle, and there have been other people who have talked about this as well, so this isn't my idea or my theory, but the, but the idea is, what if that discovery of that particle did create a quantum fluctuation and it did destroy our universe or it pushed us into a, a, another timeline where things were, were just altered slightly and you wouldn't really know unless you looked at the details. And even then you might not know. And people have therefore associated this idea with from the Bo- the Higgs boson doomsday and the 2012 you know calendar idea makes for really good uh, storytelling. They've associated this idea with things like the mandala effect and uh, basically what some people call gl- like glitches, right? They're like glitches or some disturbance, some fluctuation in our reality and in our our dimensional. Uh, field of existence, that there's just something off, there's something wrong, and people can feel it. I think that clearly the things that people are feeling that are kind of off and that are kind of different, it's the progression of what we call time, and it's the the moving into a world where technology in the 21st century has become so exponentially advanced in such a short period of time that it just feels... Not, it feels non-human. It feels like something inorganic is taking control and that is now in charge. Now, you could go further than that, but I think that's part of the reason people feel so weirded out. Plus, this is the first time in you know history where we've been literally just, we've been connected to uh, information in a way that is really unfathomable and incredibly dangerous. And no matter where you're getting your information, so we have an absolute overload of information, absolute overload of data, and we don't really know what to believe. And so we tend to plug ourselves into the things that we already believe for confirmation bias. And so with technological developments and with information overload, the world just seems bizarre because you can read virtually any story you know, about whether it's the paranormal or it's about politics, you can find anything and everything online. And then you have websites, you know, like before it's news and you can, anybody can post there like Wikipedia and that creates these, these subgroups and people believe that, that there are certain stories that are in the news that they're not true. The news doesn't tell the truth. So if you just go to before it's news, they'll tell you the truth and it's random people posting and it's just, not they're not even conspiracies they're just outlandish claims that are backed by nothing and then you have people that make money off of spreading those outlandish claims 
And then you have mainstream media that says these outlandish claims are, are damaging the trust that people have in media. And to a degree, I agree with that. But also mainstream media is damaging the trust that people have in them as well. It's really hard to find a good, credible source of information. So I think because of that, because of the information and because of technology, the world just seems more bizarre. It just seems weirder. And then, of course, with suggestibility, all someone has to do is say, hey, don't you remember that, you know, the Berenstein Bears or Nelson Mandela or this or that? Don't you? It was that was it was different, wasn't it? Or he died on this day or and we're seeing more and more of the so-called Mandala effect, which I think is a is is an interesting and far more credible thing than a Y2K or a 2012 doomsday. But the idea is maybe the reason that we're we're feeling this way is because we have memories of these past things that have happened, but in this timeline they actually haven't happened yet. So we are experiencing two or perhaps infinite numbers of timelines all at once. And it's, it's happening in a way, or at least two, where something that we remember happening hasn't happened yet, or it happens, but it happens at a different date than we initially remember it. So the question psychologically is, is this collective uh, paranoia, collective delusion, or can it be those things? Can it be a collective paranoia, collective delusion? But can it also be that there has been some form of uh, shifting in the nature of time and space, that there has been some quantum fluctuation that we, we don't necessarily know about and we're not fully, perhaps even capable of understanding. And uh, as a result of that, our, our universe has essentially been destroyed. But there's not necessarily some giant bubble coming to, to obliterate us. It just moved us out of a certain timeline. Other people suggest that the morning of 9-11 did that, right? Or Y2K was going to destroy our world. And there's all these ideas, all these doomsday scenarios. And although they're, they're interesting and some of them are even arguably fun to talk about, we don't really know. They're, they're theories. However, those theories are, I feel, at least as plausible as many of the things that physicists, theoretical physicists in particular, propose to, to be, you know, reality. And their theories of reality are no, I don't believe, more important or significant or factual or truthful, whatever word you want to use, than the theories that, that the world end, did end in 2012. I mean, it's all based on a world of things that otherwise would be invisible to the human eye that we have to use instruments and machines to detect and you know i was reading through a lot of this um a lot of the stuff about uh, particle physics and things like that today because of the show tonight and and this all started when i i read an article about the large hadron collider and how scientists have based on calculations, you know, that's a very vague thing, but they're doing calculations. I'm sure that they're very, very complex calculations, but that these, these calculations have determined that uh, certain particles should uh, decay in a, way, in a certain way. And if they don't decay in that way, then there are other things acting uh, upon them. So, and, and, and they believe that what they've now found at CERN and this was mid-March, March 23rd, this was published, 
that the standard model of physics has now been slightly altered because the standard model of physics describes all the fundamental particles that make up the universe and uh, all the forces that they interact with. And then this has just become well-established scientific, you know, physics, although it's much of it is still theoretical. I mean, they can find things, but it's still theoretical, just like in germ theory. You can find what we call germs. It doesn't mean germs cause disease, though. That's the question. So the problem with, with modern physics is it can't explain, or at least the standard model of physics can't explain uh, some of the mysteries of physics, like dark matter. Still don't know what dark matter is, and maybe it's not that it can't explain it. Science can explain probably pretty much everything because it's a tool of observation, but that doesn't mean that it can explain certain things that are perhaps beyond the understanding of the human. So the dark matter that we hear a lot about and the imbalance of matter and antimatter in the universe are not explained by the standard model of physics, so clearly the standard model of physics is not entirely accurate or correct. And obviously people have in the scientific community an issue with the addressing of that, although they admit it themselves because it suggests that you really don't know. You don't, you're, you're theorizing and you're not a god. So the results that were produced by the Large Hadron Collider showed that uh, the standard model of physics isn't necessarily accurate. And uh, according to the standard model, these, um, these particles called muons, which are much denser, they say, much heavier than electrons, um, that these particles, uh, I guess that they should be decaying uh, in a certain way. And uh, since they're not, they believe that there's another particle or something else interacting with these, with these identifiable particles. Now, it's something that I don't fully understand, and I'm not particularly interested in the subject of particle physics and physics anymore like I used to be. All I know is that according to the standard model, muons and electrons interact with all forces in the same way. And so the, what they call beauty quarks that are created by the Large Hadron Collider, they should decay into mu muons uh, just as others do into electrons. However, these new uh, data points from the collider suggest that decays are happening in different rates, which are basically indicating that there are other particles that have never been seen before that are tipping the balance away from muons into something else. Now, that tells theoretical physicists, you know, that they don't have all the answers, and I'm sure that most of them recognize and realize that. And there have been so many advances, and I guess you could define advance as meaning, you know, changes in perception or the discovery of new particles just in the last couple of, you know, the last couple of years, and they found the God particle in 2012. So, theoretical physics, things have changed very, very, very quickly just in the last handful of years. In the last couple of decades, things have changed so dramatically and so drastically with both those types of discoveries and the things that we see in technology and information that I think that's a lot of the reason the world seems so weird and so bizarre. And I think context matters a lot. And, and part of the context that really is overlooked or, or it's just ignored perhaps is that the, a lot of like when you look at 
images of space, right? You see, you know, space rocks or you see planets and moons. Virtually all of that is computer generated. And as stunning as that might sound, you just read the caption and the credit under most of the scientific images, and, and virtually everything that you see is just a computer simulation. It's a digital art. It's not real. It's an artist's rendering of what the Big Bang looks like or what Saturn looks like. I mean, you can, you can see Saturn you know, with the, with the right instrument, but it's still like when you see the images online, most of those are like digital art. It's, or it's a real photo that's been digitally enhanced. So you can bring out the colors in the planet or something to that effect, right? But it's just a, it's a simulation. It's a theory. And in fact, another report came out on the, I think this was on the 2nd of April. This is from Live Science. The headline Weird lumps of inflations could be the very first structures in the universe. And it says an ultra-high-resolution simulation of a tiny slice of the universe, a million times smaller than a proton, has revealed the very first structures to ever exist, and these dense structures are weird. The first trillionths of a second after the Big Bang, the universe was a hot, soupy place. And they obviously, you know, the AI is writing this, so there's enormous amounts of typos in this. Uh, heated to over a trillion degrees. Though scientists can't directly observe this moment in time, they can reconstruct it using high-powered computer simulations. So their theories about the early universe are based on, well, simulations and theories. And I find it interesting that people can have faith in God and believe that God created the universe and be verbally attacked and ideologically attacked, suggesting that faith is not science, yet the entire basis of modern theoretical physics and even outside of theoretical physics is that the Big Bang created the universe and the only evidence of this, admittedly, because scientists can't reconstruct uh, or they can't find it, they have to reconstruct it using computer simulations and high-powered computer simulations. So it's a computer simulation. Um, it's not real. All but the computer simulation helps us to understand things. Sure, I bet it does, but does that mean that we're understanding things that are that are real or are we just creating this alternate virtual, you know, version of the universe to prove, you know, ideas that have been that have otherwise been disproven or ideas that would be disproven based on scientific observation. I, I don't get the simulation thing. I don't get the theoretical thing. I don't get the the model thing. Like I understand that models are necessary. I mean, you're building a building. I get it. A model's good. A simulation is good. Computers can help. But if you're just plugging information into it and and, and formulas in order to understand our world, what what what, what I don't understand. And maybe people, have, I'm sure people have a different viewpoint of this. What exactly is the point? In, in all of this, is it to, to conquer the, 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 the fabric, understand and conquer the fabric of our reality? It, it's just trying to understand it, you know, trying to understand. Okay, if it's trying to understand it, why, why are we creating computer simulations of things? And it, it just seems, it seems wrong. Not, not that it's like morally or idealistically wrong. It just seems wrong. Like the, to create, you can't understand the foundation of the universe, right? 
And there's just theories that God created it, so believe it on faith, or it was a big bang, just a, just a random event that created everything, the complexities of life, a random event. And we can't actually identify that either. So we believe that theory on faith, and then we can recreate it, though, with high-powered computer simulations. Well, if you give the Christians a high-powered computer simulation, they could probably prove that Jesus or God created the universe. And besides, I never understood why the scientist and the Christian can't come together and say, okay, maybe God is the Big Bang. You know what I mean? So all of this gets really confusing because most of theoretical physics, most of uh, the, the scientific community believes things based on the same kind of human faith that religious people have in their belief systems. And that's not a theory, that is a, a reality. Now, beyond that, the, the one difference, I think, between Christians and scientists or religious people and scientists is that religious people don't necessarily attempt to break down the nature of God in order to control God. Scientists, on the other hand, break down the nature of reality in order to try to control it. And they do that with things like the Large Hadron Collider. And they do that with things like the atomic bomb. And they try, or at least know, that there will be uh, an altering of, of the nature of reality in some degree. Do you think that the physicists and the scientists that developed the atomic bomb were not worried about this? Many of them warned about the dangers of the atomic bomb. When the hydrogen bomb was detonated, scientists thought that it would just ignite all of the, the, the hydrogen in the atmosphere and the Earth would burn, and yet they did it anyway. In fact, if you read a, a book by Annie Jacobson on DARPA, uh, the book she wrote on DARPA, it, uh, she documents in the book that the soldiers that were placed in uh, bunkers that were waiting for the hydrogen bomb to, det to detonate, um, they, felt, they felt that their little bunker was sinking into the water because of the violent shaking and how long it actually lasted. They believed that like, they not only were they going to die, but that the whole world was going to burn up as a result of detonating that bomb. And yeah, it might not have, but at the time, they admittedly did not know. They just basically gambled with all life on the planet to detonate this hydrogen bomb. And that's a well-known scientific, like his, historical scientific fact. And I don't know about you, but that's, that is just, that's terrifying because Hydrogen bomb or not, you gotta you gotta think and you gotta consider for a second what's happening today with the Large Hadron Collider and what's happening with things that you've never heard of, you've never seen before that are not like CERN. I've always said I'm not so concerned about CERN, and I've said that because CERN gets all this attention, all this publicity, but I imagine that there are other things like CERN that are not talked about, that are hidden, that are buried, and that are probably far more dangerous than CERN could ever be, or at least as dangerous. I mean, we're tampering with the fundamental fabric of reality, and the question really is why. Is it just to understand it? Is it to create more new devastating weapons? Is it to rip the fabric of our universe apart? Or could it just truly be out of intellectual conquest, and the end result is total and absolute annihilation, destruction in the blink of an eye, or at least in the matter of a couple of years with these quantum fluctuations and bubbles that are part of the Higgs boson doomsday theory. It's pretty interesting to think about. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. 
If you'd like to support the show, you like what you hear, you'd like to support us to keep us on air Monday through Friday, www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe today. Get access to the archive, the montages, and more. rdgable at yahoo.com is the PayPal email, or you can use it to send us content, questions, etc. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, and there's more after this. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.com thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM but most importantly it supports you. The month of April brings us further into the waxing of the year from the spring equinox to Beltane. Join us on The Secret Teachings to track this turning of the yearly wheel through synchromysticism, pop conspiracy, and more Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. And as the sun waxes, expand your perception with a subscription to our show archive, which includes montages and my digital books. A one-time donation or a yearly subscription of $45 at the moment supports the show, the network, and you. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the subscribe tab at the top of the page or use PayPal directly with the email rdgable at yahoo.com. All yearly subscribers also get a free copy of The Technological Elixir or Food Philosophy with free shipping in the U.S. You can also buy the book separately, including the enormous compilation of Occult Arcana. That's thesecretteachings.info, and your support allows us to do what we do Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. It's April, the month of burning when the sun proceeds into its waxing phase. Right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. What are we going to do tomorrow night? Same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. 
Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where happiness is an illusion. Where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. When I first began radio back in 2010, and I didn't really start The Secret Teachings until 2013, and I didn't really start professional radio till about 2015, but back in those days, I had uh, an interest coming out of high school. I really didn't like school, but when I got out of high school and I started reading books and developing a, a basis for what we talk about today, I think the show has really been in the works for over a decade, I read a lot of books by famous scientists. I read a lot of books on theoretical physics. And I can tell you, admittedly, when I read those things, and I can't say that everybody's like this, but I developed a... Uh, a personality disorder. <laughs> I developed an arrogance about myself. And I really did. I mean, this was like when I, the, the first year of radio, 2010, 2011, I really thought that I was smarter than other people because I could regurgitate what, what uh, Stephen Hawking said, you know, or I could regurgitate what I read in a physics book. And it, it didn't, fortunately, it didn't take me long to realize that I was, I was very foolish and that, Everything that I had been reading was based, well, I, I shouldn't say everything. Most of what I was reading was based on theory. That's all. It was based on a theory. I mean, hell, there's even a, a field of study called theoretical physics, and yet we listen to theoretical physicists as if they are absolute in their conclusions. They don't even have conclusions. They're theorists. Particle physicists that are you know, theoretical physicists, let's call them theoretical physicists, are kind of like ancient alien theorists. It's the same thing. Ancient alien theorists believe that this structure was built by extraterrestrials, you know? Theoretical physicists believe that this is the, the, the model of the universe. And then you find out that the standard model of theoretical physics can't describe things like matter and antimatter and dark matter. 
Now, the, the theory or the model itself can't describe it because the model's not complete, let's say. Science can explain it because science is merely observation. It's intellectual pursuit and it's a t- attempt, an attempt to understand the, the world around us. Scientists might not be able to understand it because they have very re- rigid and narrow uh, views on the way that the world works. And I'm, I imagine that there are probably scientists, just like there are archaeologists, who because of their religious views refuse to accept the, 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 the reality in front of their eyes. There's no way that pyramid can be that old. I'm a Muslim. This is how old the earth is. There's no way that that structure can be that old. I'm a Christian. This is how old the earth is. There's no way that particle can exist or whatever it is that we're witnessing because God created the universe. I don't know, but I think it's kind of the same thing. I think the idea that people who have faith in their God or their belief system that is religious in nature, institutionally, ideologically, and those people that are like criticized for having faith in something, I would argue that their faith in that, perhaps because of the power of belief and, and manifestation, that their belief in that is more solidified and more provable than the theoretical physics and, and, and the simulations and the computer models and, and the computer-generated images of mainline uh, you know, particle standard model of, of the universe, physics, whatever you want to call it. It's the standard model of, 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 of the scientific community. I would say that faith is probably more powerful than all those things. Now, that doesn't mean blind faith, because I think faith in God means something else. I don't mean it means blind faith in an ideology and listening to what your pastor, your priest, or whatever, whoever's telling you something or wherever you're reading it. I think faith is a little bit different. Faith that there is a power that is beyond human conception. And so we conceptualize it and we anthropomorphize it with concepts and ideas that are easier to understand and easier to digest. That's what I think faith is. So in that context, that faith I think is more powerful. But scientists can also have their own faith. That's part of the theoretical process of science. So scientists believe that the universe is made up of certain particles. And over the years, those particles have expanded and found out that there are other particles that make up those particles that make up those particles that make up those particles. There's, you know, there's, there's uh, atoms and electrons and neutrons and protons and muons and gluons and quarks and different flavors of quarks. And they make it quirky and funny to talk about the stuff. And a lot of it is totally theoretical. And I mean, that, that kind of stunned me when I was, when I read those books, 10, 11 years ago, I started thinking like I was really intelligent. And uh, then I, I luckily, I discovered for myself, wait a minute, this is all theoretical. Half the stuff that I just read, no one's ever proven. Yeah, but see, Ryan, that's just, a, it's a theory, right? And we're looking to find evidence of the theory. Well, great. That's how the scientific process works. So long as you don't alter the evidence to match your preconceived theory, you know, you don't alter the conclusion to match your theory. You alter the theory to match the conclusion, which granted, yes, of of course, the standard model of physics has changed and and, and theoretical scientists will change their views on things and that will be determined by the evidence of what they find. But the reality is all those images of planets, all those images of dark matter, all those images of black holes, with the exception of one officially, it's just, it's, it's generated on a computer. It's, it's art. It's really pretty art, a lot of it, but it's art. 
nonetheless. It's not real. Now, what exactly are the scientists doing at CERN? What are the scientists, more importantly perhaps, doing at the facilities that you've never heard of before? And I don't mean like an obscure one that I can teach you about that you've never heard of, that I read of. I mean facilities that, and this is theoretical, that we have no idea are operating in the same capacity. You don't know, I don't know. Now, sure, that's pure, pure 100% raw speculation. But I feel that if the atomic bomb was developed through the Manhattan Project and a majority of even the White House didn't know what was happening because of plausible deniability and security leaks, and there were only a handful of scientists who knew what they were even doing or what they were building. I can't imagine that in the 21st century, with all the new technologies and the desire to build new weapons and create a transhumanist race of people and basically replace organic life with synthetic life, I can't imagine that there aren't meetings and There aren't facilities and there aren't devices and there aren't systems that are in place to, you know, study and attempt to 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 figure out what really is the foundation of our world. And and for what reason that I think becomes more speculative. What is the reason that scientists want to do this? And so, you know, if you listen to someone like Jordy Rose, for example, Jordy Rose talked, he's the inventor of the D-Wave computer, a guy who couldn't get into college but invented the quantum computer. He talked about, in some of his talks, about using the quantum computer to go into other dimensions, other realities, and extract resources out of those dimensions and out of those realities. And uh, he was on a, on a show, a, a friend of ours, Kev Baker, actually got to interview him. It's a fantastic interview. You could probably find it online still, Kev Baker and Jordy Rose. And you spelled Jordy, G-O-R-D-I-E. It's not J, it's G. It's like Gordy Rose and R-O-S-E. Gordy Rose, Jordy Rose. And he talked about the ability to extract resources from these other dimensions with the quantum computer, but that it was dangerous and people have interpreted and perhaps perhaps misinterpreted. Kev Baker asked him some of these questions, but perhaps misinterpreted what Gordy, Jordy Rose had said because Jordy Rose had said that this could open the doorway to allowing uh, things to come into our world. And he even mentioned Lovecraftian things in one of the talks. And Jordy Rose's comments, his sentiments on these things were actually mirrored by Sergio Bertolucci, the Director for Research and Scientific Computing at CERN. Sergio said, quote, Out of this door might come something, or we might send something through it. Now CERN, for those of you who don't know, I find it hard to believe that you don't know what CERN is if you've listened to this show and others, but CERN, and there's no shame in that, but CERN is a particle accelerator located on the Franco-Swiss border near Geneva, Switzerland. Now, some people believe that the scientific intentions are merely benevolent, that they're just focused on understanding the fabric of reality. Others believe that the facility with larger ones planned are already built, and that's for sure uh, uh, the case, that there are other ones being built, uh, some of them much larger, one of them much larger. I heard five times larger, but I don't know. Uh, that it's going to be used for uh, opening a portal to another world and allowing demons, aliens, monsters, etc. to enter into ours. Now, Gordy Rose or Jordy Rose and Sergio 
and many others have voiced concern of this possibility. Now, the name itself, CERN, is, you could argue, it's shortened for the Celtic god of nature and fertility, CERN Unos, C-E-R-N-U-N-N-O-S, who, like the goat god Pan, is depicted with antlers. He's known as the horned god. Now, the facility itself, CERN, the facility where CERN is, I'm sure most of you have seen this, has a statue of the Vedic lord Shiva, god of death and time like Saturn, the appropriate counterpart in Vedic astrology. Now, CERN was also built on a site that the Romans had dedicated to the god Apollyon, or the Hebrew Abaddon, both of which refer to the destroyer. That's what they're referred to as. So Shiva, Apollyon, Abaddon, Saturn, they are all creators and destroyers. They are necessary evils. Now, in the Colburn Bible, if you've ever read part of the Colburn Bible or you've heard me or other people talk about it, the Colburn Bible is a compilation of Celtic and Egyptian texts, and there's a section in it called The Destroyer, and it's a fiery object in the heavens, basically another world, that brings destruction to our world. And I, I think that the story of the Colburn Bible of the Destroyer kind of summarizes in scientific language um, for the time period, at least, uh, the biblical plagues. And uh, this is all stuff that I talk about in my book, Occult Arcana, and I talk about CERN a little bit in my book, The Technological Elixir. Both of those books are in stock right now, and you can get them at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can go look at the, uh, each book has its own page there, and that also supports the show. So please go grab one of those books. We don't really promote things as much as we should, but that really supports the show. It's a, it's a raw contribution, and you get something. These, these are very big books that I've written, so you get a lot of uh, content and information out of them. Uh, but, you know, words like Apollyon, Abaddon, they're just another name for Shiva. Uh, and the statue at CERN, it stands inside of a circle that visually looks like a portal or gateway. If you read the mythos, it's really, it's a circle of fire. So it's basically like Araboros, or it's like Leviathan. It's the circle of, of light that pushes back the darkness uh, because the darkness is void and Despite the fact that Shiva or Saturn are destroyers, they are also creators, and they are creating a physical world in um, light, which is really considered, in a way, false light, and the void is actually heavenly in the sense that this is where the divine influences in the heavens come from. You could really argue various other perceptions and, and perspectives on that subject, but this is basically what it looks like. It looks like a portal or a gateway. Now, Apollyon is ruler of the abyss and king of an army of locusts that arise therefrom. Revelations 9, 1 through 11 details the opening of the bottomless pit and the rising of smoke and locusts upon the earth. It also describes their torment as the, quote, torment of a scorpion, end quote, which is relevant since the scorpion applies the kiss of death as with Judas upon Jesus and the name Shiva 
means dissolution or disintegration, the process of losing strength, which is really just a, you know, a weakening of things. And we talked about that in regards to the Super Bowl this year. The weekend played the Super Bowl halftime show, and with all that subliminary, uh, subliminary in- imagery, uh, all the, the words and things like that, it was it was it was basically suggesting that humanity is weakened, and then you know people in the video they they're under mind control, they're cyborgs, and then they all die. So if you read Revelation, you'll read about the the bottomless pit, and the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue Apollyon. That's in the Bible. Um, there are, I, I would say that there are probably endless theories on this. Like people will always come up with new ideas about CERN. And uh, despite the fact that CERN receives all this attention, there, there are a very small number of people that I've spoken to, uh, and, and this is more so where my interest has always been, very few people who I've spoken to who have talked about what could be the his, the uh, one of the only historical precedents that is equal to CERN and the discovery of the God particle. And I think um, one of the best examples of this uh, is probably, it's probably best to go into a very little a brief background of the story, but at 5.29 a.m., on July 16, 1945, at the Trinity test site in Alamogordo, uh, the Alamogordo bombing and gunnery range in New Mexico, an atomic bomb was detonated officially for the first time. Now, in 1944, though, a year earlier, the Germans reportedly had experimented with atomic bombs and detonated them. One of the pilots, Hans Zinser, of a, a flak rocket expert, uh, he was flying a Heinkel bomber over northern Germany, and he said, quote, that he, he noticed, quote, a strong, bright illumination of the whole atmosphere lasting about two seconds, dot, 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 a cloud shaped like a mushroom, as in 1944. Another case is of an Italian correspondent, Luigi Romersa. And in October of 1944, Luigia was granted a pass by the German High Command to witness the test of a, quote, disintegration bomb. And an official report, actually, in 1978, it was declassified by the National Security Administration of the U.S., referred to, quote, reports on the atom-splitting bomb, end quote, on December 14th of 1944, a time when the U.S. could not even manufacture, they couldn't even prepare the right materials to test a bomb. So the detonation of an atomic bomb at Trinity in 1945 has remained an infamous day in history for a number of reasons, but we, we, we don't even really remember Nagasaki and Hiroshima, let alone Trinity, unless you, unless you study this history. It's not a well-known public thing. I mean, you, I've seen documentaries where they go to Hiroshima in the 21st century and ask Japanese people in Hiroshima, do they know what happened? And they don't know what happened. So people in Japan are just as oblivious to people around the rest of the world. I mean, just an, a powerfully significant day. But I guarantee you they know what the Holocaust is, you know, the Jewish Holocaust. But they don't know about hundreds of thousands of people being obliterated with atomic weaponry because that's not terrorism. Now, upon the conclusion of the test, 
the Trinity test. The father of that bomb, J. Robert Oppenheimer, was quoted as saying, and it's not a theory because there's video of it, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I'm sure most of you have heard this before, this line, which was taken from the Bhagavad Gita, a 700-verse Hindu scripture written in Sanskrit, which focuses on a dialogue between the warrior prince named Arjuna and his charioteer Lord Krishna, an incarnation of Vishnu. Now, Krishna teaches Arjuna about Dharma, or the holy duty, one of the key lessons of the Bhagavad Gita. In verse 32, Krishna speaks the famous quote, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, which refers to the destruction of time. And of course, Saturn is the counterpart to this Vedic astrology. Saturn is the Roman version of the god of time, father time, the grim reaper, etc. After witnessing the Trinity bomb, Oppenheimer also said that this was, quote, not first atomic bomb, but first atomic bomb in modern times. And he was saying that in regards to a question that he was asked, how do you feel after having exploded the first atomic bomb on Earth? He said this was not the first atomic bomb, it was the first atomic bomb in modern times. And Oppenheimer, like many others, believed that atomic weapons or similar technologies were used in the ancient past, as specifically documented in the Mahabharata, and as, you know, obviously gone into detail in Ancient aliens, ancient alien theorists believe extraterrestrials detonated atomic bombs in ancient times. Is it possible? Is it real? We're not sure. So you probably have seen that and you've heard that. And that is, as far as I know, as far as I understand from reading about Oppenheimer, that is very, very true that Oppenheimer and many of these scientists were... um, aware of or were very well versed in this type of mythos. Uh, The Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata and the stories that do, interestingly enough, describe what sounds like atomic bombs or some kind of radiation, some kind of massive explosion, some kind of, uh, you know, perhaps cataclysmic-like event that that transpired. Uh, Robert Oppenheimer also, interestingly enough, if you've read um, that book I mentioned by Annie Jacobson, about DARPA, Oppenheimer was asked to build the hydrogen bomb and as a result of saying, no, I'm not building another mass, you know, weapon of mass destruction, you might say, well, he built the other one. So he, well, sure, but it, just a, a really great example of how not all people are totally corruptible because Oppenheimer said, I'm not building the hydrogen bomb. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be responsible for even more death. And as a result of that, he had all of his security clearance Uh, stripped away. Now, two years after the Trinity test, Oppenheimer said something that was really, really interesting. He said, quote, the physicists have known sin, and this is a knowledge which they cannot lose. Now, if you've read uh, Leo Zagami, who uh, is a friend of ours here on The Secret Teachings, we've had him on the show many times. If you've read about the angelic languages of John D. and Edward Kelly. Uh, and you know about the watchtowers. You've probably heard that on shows like Lighting the Void. And if you read about uh, Aleister Crowley and Jack Parsons and uh, Apocalypse Working, and you start to get this, this idea pieced together. So people like uh, Crowley talked about... Uh, a god named Coronazone, god of hallucinations. Now, in Aztec mythos, they 
there supposedly isn't a devil character, but they have Tezcatlipoca, which is the brother of Quetzalcoatl, the plum serpent. Now, Quetzalcoatl is kind of like Osiris, and Tezcatlipoca is like Set, and Set is like a devil. Osiris is basically God in that, in that type of mythos, that type of theological association. And so the idea that the atomic bomb that the physicist built um, related to uh, a sin and a knowledge of what they had done that they cannot lose. And the other things that, that are presented in the, the mythos of the, the, the Hindu uh, Indian scriptures about you know some type of battle taking place in the past, atomic bombs that, that we reference you know, today as having been detonated, maybe something much more devastating, disintegration bombs or what the Germans called them, um, splitting the atom. Um, there is very little associated uh, precedence with that. Um, I think the only thing that you could associate with it is, thing, is something like CERN, which is why I'm relating the two. And so when you're, when you're looking into the work of Crowley or others, and they, they, you know, they've supposedly attempted to summon the legions of Corona Zone and to bring them upon the face of the world by opening the watchtowers and allowing these demonic influences, these, these evil things to destroy the world. And it's something that you probably... You can probably read about in, um, you know, H.P. Lovecraft because that's where a lot of Lovecraft stuff came from. These these same ideas. Now, these gateways can only be opened from the inside, and perhaps the Trinity detonation, among others, because we've detonated so many of these damn things, was an experiment by which to bring this about. John D. and Edward Kelly initiated what they called apocalypse working, while Aleister Crowley and Jack Parsons, along with prominent scientists such as Robert Oppenheimer, facilitated the next phase of this process on a parallel path. And so the idea is that the atomic bombs ripped open strategic or non-strategic holes in the fabric of space-time and this altered space-time in the same way that the discovery of the God particle in 2012, the Higgs boson, destroyed our universe and brought us into another one. Now, there's something quantum here that we might not ever be able to understand, but the idea is still very, very, very spooky, very, very, very eerie. Sure, it makes for good radio, but what I'm talking about is also very serious tonight on The Secret Teachings, and I feel like it's something that you should be informed about, and perhaps in a way that's not so hyperbolic as you might find on other podcasts and radio shows. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, and there's more after this. The final segment coming up, you don't want to miss it, right here on The Fringe. Stay with us. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, 
and demonic parts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, Watgu, transhumanism and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. The month of April brings us further into the waxing of the year, from the spring equinox to Beltane. Join us on The Secret Teachings to track this turning of the yearly wheel through synchromysticism, pop conspiracy, and more Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. And as the sun waxes, expand your perception with a subscription to our show archive, which includes montages and my digital books. A one-time donation or a yearly subscription of $45 at the moment supports the show, the network, and you. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the subscribe tab at the top of the page or use PayPal directly with the email rdgable at yahoo.com. All yearly subscribers also get a free copy of The Technological Elixir or Food Philosophy with free shipping in the U.S. You can also buy the book separately, including the enormous compilation of Occult Arcana. That's thesecretteachings.info, and your support allows us to do what we do Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. It's April, the month of burning when the sun proceeds into its waxing phase. Right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. What are we going to do tomorrow night? Same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. Want more of The Fringe? Check out TheFringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. The music tonight is by 
White Bat Audio, and we played a song by Secession Studios going into the last break. Most of the music is White Bat Audio. You can find them on YouTube. And this is The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fringe. I get so pumped up and so amped up for the for the show every night. And I really love talking about the things we get to talk about here on the show. There's no direction and guidance and there's no censorship and what we can and can't discuss. And I'll jump from talking about what is literally the there's a federation of fat. Did you know that there's a, there's a fat federation of obese people and it's existed since the 1960s. So we I talked about that on last Thursday's show. And then, you know, last night and throughout the rest of this week, we're going to have a variety of different shows. But last night uh, we talked about a, a better new world order. And now tonight we're talking about uh, what I'm sure a lot of people think is this is a show about CERN. Well, I hope you don't think it's a show about CERN. I hope you realize that there's something more to this. I'm simply relating to you the newest finds in theoretical physics. And I'm, I'm saying this, theoretical physics and all the other theoretical fields of science are based on faith. And I feel that they are based on a less serious form of faith than people who believe and have faith in their theological dogma. Now, maybe it's the same, but I feel that theological faith is perhaps more wholesome, more powerful than scientific faith, particularly because faith in those things theoretically um, science and science are not based on a true deep belief of where you're going to go when you die and what the purpose of reality and nature and your life is and things like that and what created the universe. They're based in, I have faith in this theory because this theory is my work and I'm paid to theorize on this and to build things that benefit people that pay me. And so I, it's a complex issue in a way, but it's also not very complex. It's very simple in other ways. A lot of what you see from astronomers, you know, pictures of planets and things like that, it, all that is is a computer-generated image, virtually all of it. All the things about climate change and Miami's going to be underwater by 2014, it's not. Those are based on computer models. It's not based on real information. They might plug data into it, but if you plug three data points and you're missing a million data points, you're not going to get much credible information. I mean, hell, a few years ago, some scientists did a, a new investigative calculation into how many trees were on planet Earth. And they found that there were literally trillions of more trees on the planet than they had originally estimated. None of those trees which absorb certain amount of carbon dioxide a year were factored into the climate models. None of them. So how can those models be accurate? And why do some countries like the United States have to shut down their production, but countries like China, which produce and distribute more plastic waste at the very minimal than any other country other than India, why do they get to operate at full capacity? Pre, during, or post quote-unquote, COVID-19 pandemic. Why is it that everything we see out of theoretical physics is a computer simulation? Well, because they can't do it any other way, Ryan. They can't 
show you these things without computer simulations and computer-generated images. I get it. I understand that. But then I'm asked to believe based on a leap of faith. And therefore, in that context, theoretical physics, which is called theoretical, it's theoretical, theoretical, is no different than the faith that religious people have in their beliefs. In fact, it might be less significant in terms of the power of the subconscious because they are believing things based on whether it might be financing and money for their work or it might just be their work and we don't want to be wrong. We based our entire lives on this. And I think that's likewise why a lot of people refuse to consider that there could be other explanations for disease. We blame disease on random particles and we don't consider highly toxic chemicals that we spray to kill those diseases, even though they're not diseases and they're not really things that make us sick. And we even call the mainline theory of disease a freaking theory. We call it germ theory. It's a theory. And I think when you open up the Pandora's box of exploring things like CERN has explored, you're playing in very dangerous waters. According to the standard model of physics, these things called muons, which are, I think they're considered denser and heavier than electrons, uh, they all interact with forces in the same way. And these things called beauty quarks, which are created by the Large Hadron Collider, should decay into muons just as often as they do electrons. But new measurements suggest that decays are happening at different rates. And that indicates that there are other particles that are tipping the balance away from muons. So this essentially rewrites the standard model of physics. And this is the kind of thing that we see happening a lot. Changes in how our perception of these models of the universe work. And they're just models. They're just simulations. They're just CGI a lot of the time. Theoretical physics, theoretical germ theory, they're theories. Now in 2012, the Higgs boson was discovered, the God particle, And when it was found, it further confirmed some fears, rational perhaps, irrational perhaps, that this could spell doomsday for our universe, for our reality, because this Higgs boson particle, when observed, this could create a quantum fluctuation and a vacuum bubble that would expand through space and wipe out the universe. Now, that didn't happen, or or did it? Because Joseph Lycan, a theoretical physicist at the Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory in Illinois, said that it might take 10 to 100 uh, or tens of thousands or hundreds of millions of years for this to happen, but it could take 10 years for this to happen. Now, it's been uh, about 10 years, almost 10 years, since this discovery. It'll be 10 years in 2022, and maybe within the next year, our universe just vanishes. But it also might mean that we 
exist on an alternate timeline. Many people have suggested this, and this is the explanation for the mandala effect, or the mandala effect is explained by alterations in our timeline and things changing, perhaps time travel. A couple of days ago, on the 1st or 2nd of, uh, it was the 2nd of April, the article doesn't have an exact date, uh, but this was a few days ago from Live Science. Scientists discovered these um, structures. They say they're the first structures to ever exist. Um, you know, we've heard that before. Uh, but the images they give us of these structures that relate to the Big Bang and the formation of the universe are, and let me, I'll just read it to you. Scientists can't directly observe this moment in time. They can reconstruct it using high-powered computer simulations. So it's a simulation. It's, that's all that it is. It's a simulation. Now, the, the Higgs boson theory, the idea that the world could be you know, obliterated as a result of the discovery of this thing, has been associated with the Mayan calendar, right, and the end of the world. Now, that is something that I never bought into, and I imagine if I were much more consciously alive and I wasn't eight, nine years old in 1999, then I would have probably thought Y2K was nonsense as well. Maybe it was a legitimate theory, you know, or idea. It would sound as like a doomsday theory to me, and so then you're going to get the same kind of, it's just a theory, it's a theory. Maybe sometimes theories turn out to be, you know, true. They turn out to be real. They turn out to, to you know, it's just a way of looking at the world and deciding this is what's really going on. This is my theory. Let's prove it. Let's see what happens. And when it doesn't happen, we shouldn't be altering the theory. We should be, or, or the conclusion, we should be altering the theory. We should be altering the theory to match the conclusion. So if you're wrong, acknowledge you're wrong and let's move on. But I do understand that if you're trying to create a model of something, you want to take out what doesn't work and plug in what does work. I'm saying that it's still done on the same basis of faith. Now, all this is being done, faith or not, at the Large Hadron Collider near Geneva, Switzerland, and there are other colliders that are being built as well. Now, CERN was built on a, a site dedicated to the god Apollyon. In Hebrew... The god is known as Abaddon. You can spell it Abandon or Abaddon. Both names referring to the destroyer, which is also mentioned in the Colbrin Bible. Apollyon is the ruler of the abyss and king of an army of locusts that arise from that abyss. If you read Revelation 9, 1 through 11, it details the opening of a bottomless pit and the rising of smoke and locusts upon the earth. These spirits of the abyss are similar to those supposedly invoked by people in the apocalypse working ritual of Aleister Crowley and others. Now, if Revelation speaks of this bottomless pit open and these locusts coming to the earth, it essentially suggests that Abaddon or Apollyon would be unleashed upon the earth. These are things that Aleister Crowley supposedly was attempting to summon, a god named Coronazone to bring upon, bring upon the, the earth uh, these chaotic lesions of demons uh, opening up the watchtowers, the gates, and allowing our world to be consumed. And uh, the story of CERN today has never concerned me, I always said, as much as what might be going on beyond CERN. And I say that because in the 1940s, 
we it was not a public thing that the atomic bomb was being developed. Today, we all know about CERN, right? That's a big thing. Even if you don't know what it is, you've probably heard about CERN. Now, you might also remember, if you've heard about CERN, that bizarre ritual that took place at CERN. And I don't mean like YouTube conspiracy ritual. I mean that it was on video and there's pictures of it. And the people that worked there, the official story was that this ritual that took place, and and, and to give you an idea uh, of what exactly it was, this was was a while ago. Um, There was a mock human sacrifice in 2016 in the courtyard at CERN. A mock human sacrifice sacrifice. So that's weird. (laughs) That's really bizarre, wouldn't you say? And people said this was just a fake ritual. It was all just just made up. It was all just a fabrication. It was an elaborate hoax. I would like to know, and I've never been to CERN, sure, but I would like to know how it's possible for people to get access to probably one of the most highly secure scientific facilities in the world. I'd imagine a device that has the theoretical and probably the probable, the applicable ability to destroy the entire universe might be guarded a little tighter. And yet, people somehow got in with robes and performed a a mock human sacrifice in front of the statue of Shiva, god of destruction. Now, I would like to know how they got that close to a highly, highly secure scientific facility. Now, could they have been allowed to do this for publicity? More than likely. However, the idea that people had sacrificed a human being in front of the god Shiva at the Large Hadron Collider... While the scientists who have been behind this type of technology, going back to the days of Robert Oppenheimer, many of these scientists believed in the mythos of the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata, the Hindu scriptures and texts. And Oppenheimer, of course, uttered his famous line, I am become death after the detonating of the Trinity bomb, and he also said that the scientists, this was years later, that the scientists had known sin and that they were responsible for the basically what was you know the creation of this this horrible thing. And Oppenheimer decided he did not did not want to build the hydrogen bomb as a result of this, and he had his security clearance stripped as a result of that decision. So you start to piece this together and you start to wonder why, first of all, was Shiva chosen as a statue for CERN? God of time, God of destruction, also God of creation. Why was there a mock human sacrifice in front of it? And why is it that even scientists who have uh, worked at CERN, like, I don't know, 
the Director for Research and Scientific Computing, Sergio Bertolucci, said that out of this door might come something or we might send something through. Now, I'm not an expert on occultism. I'm just joking. That's the one thing I'm an expert on. I'm not an expert on occultism, though, but I think that having the physical ability to open a doorway in a portal to do what Aleister Crowley wanted to do, to pick up from what John D. and Edward Kelly were supposedly trying to do, open up a portal and bring about the earth swarms of locusts to rise Apollyon from the depths, Abaddon from Revelation, with an army of locusts to sweep across the planet to basically initiate the apocalypse and the end of the world. That that technology and that facility, you choose this god and you have a mock human sacrifice, might have been a real human sacrifice, might have been a mock one to discredit real human sacrifices, but you sacrifice a human to this god and attempt to or, uh, open this portal or this doorway and I don't know about you, it's kind of hard to find a picture of it, but I've seen pictures of inside of the facility, there are banners hanging up that have welcome messages on them that are facing into the collider. Now, if that were, if that is true, and there are welcome banners inside the collider in various languages, including Sanskrit, then the whole idea that the Hadron Collider is about discovering the Higgs boson particle and discovering other particles, maybe it's used for that. But what it sounds like to me when you're offering up a human being to sacrifice to the God of Destruction and you have banners that are welcoming things pointed inside of the Collider, you're trying to summon something. You're trying to bring something into this world. And therefore, the Large Hadron Collider is very, very similar, if not identical in its purpose, to the detonation of atomic weapons. The unleashing of sin and darkness upon the earth. And not metaphoric sin and darkness, not figurative sin and darkness, literal darkness upon the earth to rip open the fabric of our reality. And perhaps this is why we see these fluctuations where we have what we call the mandala effect where we have people collectively hallucinating and collectively experiencing deja vu, that something has screwed with the timeline, that something has screwed with our dimension, something has altered our progression forward in this way. I don't know what's going on, but I can definitely tell you this. A couple of weeks ago, I did a show on a company called Byte Labs, which is in California. And I talked about in California how there's also the new curriculum in schools and how there's also a, comp a third thing in California called Ambrosia. Now, Byte Labs is a company where you take cells from celebrities and create meat grown out of celebrity cells. It's like cannibalism, and people thought it was a joke at first. Supposedly, it's real. Even if it's not real... People like Richard Dawkins and others have attempted to convince the public that it would be good to eat human flesh and we could get over this taboo by growing it in a laboratory. So that is absolutely a real thing. The curriculum in the schools in California, according to the California Board of Education, is they want children to chant 
the name of an Aztec god named Tezcatlipoca, who is a god of hallucinations like and the god of mirrors and dimensions, a god of chaos and darkness, also necessary evil, but god of these things, god of hallucinations like Coronazon, followed by an army of locusts and demons, and they want children to chant this name, literally, in school. And the third thing is Ambrosia, a company that takes the blood out of young people and injects it into older people, and it rejuvenates the aging process. Eating human flesh, consuming human blood, taking it from the youth, and getting the youth to participate in these rituals. If you read really dark grimoires and things about black magic, where they're literally telling you to use children, and not kids, not goats, but children. Read the story of Bluebeard. For example, that's a very creepy story. There's variations of it, but, you know, he used the blood of children and had blood. It's just really disturbing. But if you put all this together, you realize the, the, the old blood cults, the old cannibal cults, the sacrificial cults, these people didn't adjust their thinking for the 20th century or even the 19th century for that matter. All they did was adjust their image and perception because those things were no longer acceptable within the Western Christian ethos. So what did they do? Well, they convinced you that it would be fun to eat your celebrity, your favorite celebrity. They'd convince you that you could live forever by taking the blood of children. They convinced you that chanting the name of a god in Aztec mythology when you could be, you know, you could be from anywhere in the world, but you got to chant this Aztec god, that that's somehow helping children to understand ethnic barriers and overcome them. No, it's summoning and it's invocation. It's cannibalism and it's vampirism. It's blood drinking. So it wouldn't surprise me. In fact, it fits right into the proper context that a human sacrifice would be performed in front of the God of Destruction at the CERN facility and that there would be welcoming banners in the facility, continuing the work of Aleister Crowley, continuing the work of John D. and Edward Kelly, and continuing to open and hold open portals to other worlds and allowing things, like Jordy Rose said, to come in to our world from somewhere else, to come into our world and to as we can extract resources from their world, perhaps extract resources from our world. This is what Jordy Rose said, inventor of the D-Wave computer. He said this. So when this thing that I'm talking about happens, it's going to be exactly that thing that you're thinking about, about those super intelligent AIs. So the one thing I can tell you is that they're not going to be like us. So alien means, you know, different. These things that we're building are not going to be people. They might be really smart, they might be really good at all sorts of different things, but they're not going to be like us. They're going to be aliens, and they're going to be, I'm sorry to say, way smarter than every single person in this room in ways that we can't comprehend. We can't even comprehend. These things that we're summoning into the world now are not demons. They're not evil, but they're more like the Lovecraftian great old ones. There are entities that are not necessarily going to be aligned with what we want. Underneath it all is this rising tsunami that, if we're not careful, is going to wipe us all out. On that pleasant note, we're hiring people to make something like this happen. 
Now, whether or not Jordy Rose and I listened to him talk, you know, he's a great guy. He sounds like a great guy, a very down-to-earth guy, I mean. Doesn't sound like he's really controlled or manipulated or anything like that. Maybe he is. But, you know, it's kind of like you watch, watch the Terminator movie, right? And there's a guy named Miles Bennett Dyson. And, uh, by the way, a black character. You know, obviously, because black people have never played parts in movies. There's never been a Crosby show or a Cosby, a Crosby show, a Cosby show. There's never been any black television. It's just all racist. But Miles Dyson, uh, he invented in The Terminator, he invented Skynet. Well, maybe they had the black guy invent the end of the world because black people are bad. It's like, Jesus Christ. But, they, but Miles Dyson invented Skynet, and he was doing it with his family, and he just wanted to you know, help airlines and help pilots who might be tired, and he wasn't doing it to destroy the world. But perhaps there are people like Elon Musk and Jordy Rose and others that are intended or not to bring about this manifestation of the Lovecraftian great old ones. That there are people like Sergio at CERN who believe that out of this door that they can bring something through. And uh, Sergio Bertolucci, Director for Research and Scientific Computing at CERN. And we hear about the standard model of physics being wrong. Because the muons aren't decaying or the beauty quarks aren't decaying into muons or electrons and they're decaying differently and more slowly. So this is something's wrong with the standard model. Meanwhile, the standard model is virtually irrelevant when compared to what CERN is actually being used for and other facilities like it are being used for. And this isn't a conspiracy. You know, it's not a theory. It's an interesting perspective is what it is, I think. And I think it's something that needed to be said tonight, and I think it's something that we need to think about. And I think it's something that, well, even if that is what's happening and there's a portal being opened, what do we do about it? I think the best thing that you can do is be aware of as much information as possible before you know, you're overloaded. Take a deep breath and realize the world's really not that bad, but information is key. And through that information, we can discern perspectives and ways of thinking that provide us with wisdom. And I think that is the most powerful and important thing, and that transcends time and space beyond uh, wormholes and portals and dimensions and time. And I think that really is the essence of The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. And this is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our website and you can get a copy of one of my books, their soft cover. My book, Occult Arcana. My book, The Technological Elixir. And my book, Food Philosophy. They're about a lot more than just what the titles might suggest. Occult Arcana is a massive compilation of occult subjects. The Technological Elixir is a massive compilation of everything from artificial intelligence to the music industry to UFO cults. And my book, Food Philosophy, is about everything from ingredients to disease theory to geoengineering. And if you read them in order, you don't have to, but food 
to technology, to a cult, it will kind of expand and connect with one another. You can buy the book separately on the website. There's also digital copies that you can purchase. All of your support helps to keep us on air five nights a week, Monday through Friday, right here on the Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the archive at www.thesecretteachings.info, the same website where you can find the books. And when you subscribe in the month of April, the month of Beltane, you will also receive a physical copy of the Technological Elixir or Food Philosophy with free shipping in the U.S. Just sign up at thesecretteachings.info. The month of Beltane, the burning season. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. <laughs>